praise God for all of you who are here today. Hallelujah. Uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, again, we're Harvest Intercontinental Church here in Olney. We, we are part of a family of churches all around the world, Harvest Intercontinental Ministries Unlimited. Uh, and I serve as the senior pastor here and also as the presiding bishop of Himu. God bless you. We're welcome. And um, if you're looking for a church home, pray about this one. This is a good place to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right. So today we conclude the series we've been preaching on the marketplace. Amen. And I encourage you to please, all of those sermons are available online. You can go to YouTube or you can go to Facebook. All of the sermons are there. Please listen to those sermons over so that what has been said actually takes root in your heart. Amen. Jesus talks about the sower that sows the seed. Four different types of soil. Only in one type, the, those who really heard it, understood it, and held on to it, did the word produce fruit. So the word does not change us just because we hear it. It changes us when it gets into our hearts. Amen. And we understand it. That's when it produces the results that God wants it to produce in our lives. So it takes effort on my part and your part to allow that word to really take root. Most of the time, it doesn't take root if you just hear it once. You've got to hear it over and over again. That's why we're told in scriptures, my son, attend to my words, attend to my words, attend to my words, incline your ear, incline your ear. Because it takes that kind of attention, that kind of uh, decision to incline your ear for the word of God to produce life in us. Amen. So go to YouTube, put my name, or go to Facebook and put the church, or put Bishop Darlington Johnson. But it's there. It's available. Then, of course, we have our podcasts. But let me just quickly, just very quickly give a quick review. Our, our basic text was 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we are a royal priesthood. We use that in order to demonstrate, and then we use other scriptures to support that, that all believers are called to ministry. Last week I said here we may have 10 pastors in this church, but we have over 1,000 ministers. We have over 1,000 priests. Because if you're a child of God, you're called to ministry. Every single one of us is called to ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us God gives pastors such as myself, apostles and teachers, for this purpose to equip the saints, that's everybody here who's in Christ, for the work of the ministry. So here's the truth. Every single child of God is a priest or a minister. You are a minister. I am a minister. You are a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. All right? So I want you to stand to your foot, feet, <laughs> stand to your feet. And I want you to quickly introduce yourself to the person next to you and say, I am a servant of God. Say, I am a minister of God. Amen. I am a servant of God. I'm a minister of God. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So you need to embrace that identity. And wherever you are, when you're here at church, you're a minister. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, you're a minister. Amen. So don't go to work like the people of the world do just to earn a living or just to make money to support yourself and your family. Go to work 
Go to your business. Whatever you're doing with this attitude, I'm here on an assignment. I'm here to represent Christ. I'm a servant of God in this place. I have a mission to fulfill. In this place, I'm here to make Christ known. By the way I work, by what I say, by the way I carry myself, by the way I relate to people, I am assigned to this place as a minister, a representative of Christ. Here. Amen? And so you go ahead and fulfill your ministry in the marketplace. And fulfill your ministry in the church. And fulfill your ministry in your family. But you are called to ministry. Let that be your identity. Put away that notion that there's the pastor and those people are called to ministry, but I'm not. Now, there is a difference in function. We do have a role. There is a place for the pastor. God calls the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. There's an assignment we have that, we, that everybody needs to recognize and honor and respect. But that assignment does not cancel out yours. Amen? You too are called to ministry. Fulfill that ministry. Embrace it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, as I've heard you talk about being a marketplace minister, many of, of those of you who I heard talking about this talked about it only in terms of witnessing. Well, when I go to, the, to my job, you know, I'm praying, I'm looking for opportunities to pray for people, to lead people to Christ, or to be a blessing to someone in the name of Jesus. That's good. That's an important part of what it means to be a marketplace minister. But I want you to see more than that. It's not just you going to the marketplace and being a light there and witnessing and hopefully God can use you to bring people closer to Christ. That's extremely important. But I want you to realize that besides that, one of the reasons God puts you in the place that he puts you and gives you the opportunity to gain the influence, the experience, the tools, to acquire knowledge and resources as a, a, someone in the tech field or someone in the medical field or someone in the education field or someone in arts and entertainment, someone in business, someone in... You have knowledge, you have skills, you have access to resources, you have influence that have been given to you as a result of being in the marketplace, doing what you do. One of your responsibilities as a marketplace minister is to see how you can use the influence, the opportunities, the tools... You acquire the knowledge that you have acquired in the marketplace to support the preaching of the gospel. How can what you do in the tech field become a platform to cause the gospel to go even further? How can you use your knowledge, your experience, the resources you have in the tech field to promote the gospel, to cause the gospel to go further than it ever would have been otherwise? I use the example of Peter. Peter's boat became the platform that Jesus was able to use to reach a lot of people that Jesus would not have reached otherwise. So don't just see yourself as a minister in the marketplace to hopefully win the souls that are there. Realize that God has given you access to knowledge, to resources, to tools, influence that God wants and can use to help support and take the gospel even further. Many of us are familiar with medical missions, right? So people in the medical field, Christians in the medical field, many times they know, okay, I'm a, I'm a doctor and I know that there's a need for, for uh, 
doctors all over the world and the, the health challenges that people are facing. So very often we have medical missions where these doctors and these nurses and these people in that field say, you know what? In many places, they're not open to missionaries. We can go and through our medical profession, offer health and treatment to people, and that will open the door for the gospel. And that's good. I was in India a couple of weeks ago, and I was at a function, and sitting next to me was a lady, a Christian lady, who was, um, I think, the dean of the School of Medicine in, her, in, in Hyderabad, one of the colleges there. And we had a conversation, and I suggested to her, well, maybe one of the things you could do is think about organizing some of our Indian brothers and sisters who are in the medical field to actually do medical missions, come to Africa. We can arrange it where you can come and use your medical profession to make a difference because, man, it doesn't take much to make a huge difference when it comes to health care in many places in Africa. You can come and you can lead a team and we'll work with you. And she was very open to the idea and I hope it actually comes into fruition. But don't limit it only to the medical field or to, to uh, what else? Huh? IT. But the point is, all of you in whatever profession you're in ought to be thinking in that way. I'm a marketplace minister. I have knowledge, I've had experience. There are tools and resources that I have access to. How can we use this to advance the cause of Christ? How can we use it to help the gospel go further? Here I am, I'm preaching. I don't know how many persons are watching. I know about how many of you are here. But how can you tech people, say, listen, we can do A, B, and C. And if we did A, B, and C, this message that has been preached here, that is blessing us, can reach 10,000 more people, can reach 100,000 more people. Think like that, because that's part of what it means to be a marketplace minister. If you, if you have a business, how can, you, how can that business help to support the gospel? Take it further than it would have gone before. That's part of your calling. Embrace it. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so that you see possibilities. It's quiet in my Presbyterian church. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Great. So now, I hope that helps to expand your understanding of what it means to be a marketplace minister. Remember I told you last week that you are anointed for this. God who calls you anoints you. Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. They waited. He said, don't start going out in ministry until you've received power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to empower you to fulfill this call. There were 11 apostles at that time. There were 120 people in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit came, he did not just anoint 11. He anointed all 120. Every believer was anointed because Jesus intended every believer to be a witness. And so he empowered all of us with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That Holy Spirit, that anointing that is upon you has been placed in you. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, child of God, is there to empower you for life and ministry. To empower you to produce the character of Christ and to do the work of ministry with power. Acknowledge 
start acknowledging. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me. You begin to say, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me. As a preacher, he's anointed me to preach. As a marketplace minister, he has anointed you to fulfill your ministry there. Don't go there depending just upon yourself. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he teaches us all things. Don't limit what he can reveal to you only to what, quote, unquote, we do in church. Where you work, you're going to face marketplace problems. you got a resource in the Holy Spirit. He can give you wisdom. He can give you understanding. He can give you the ability to solve complex problems. And the more problems you solve and the more complex they are, the more influence you're going to have with the people that work with you. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? God placed them in Babylon in the marketplace. And the Bible says concerning them that God made them ten times wiser. Amen. That's the anointing. That's the Holy Spirit. And because Daniel was anointed and the Holy Spirit made him wiser, able to solve problems that the other people couldn't solve, he gained much influence in Babylon. May the Lord cause you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be wise beyond your own natural abilities. May the Lord give you insight, wisdom, and understanding to solve complex problems. And may the Lord extend your influence in the marketplace so that people want to listen to you. They want to find out where are you getting this thing from. Show us where it comes from. We want what you have. Hallelujah. Everybody say, Lord, let it be so. For me, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And when this anointing comes upon you, we said the anointing that is upon you comes from who? Jesus. And so it flows from the head. So the same type of anointing that operates in Jesus is what is operating us who are part of his body. The anointing on the head is what flows all the way down to the, to the hem of the garment. Say, I'm anointed with the anointing that is upon Christ. It is the same Holy Spirit upon him that is working in me as a member of his body. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus was anointed to be what? Prophet, priest, and king. Anointed to be what? Prophet, priest, and king. Anointed as what? Prophet. So if that anointing is upon you, then that anointing, gave yeah, the Holy Spirit, will enable you to think and plan with the insight of a prophet. You didn't hear me. I said because the anointing upon you is the same anointing upon Jesus. And that anointing caused Jesus to operate in the office of the prophet. When that anointing, yea, the Holy Spirit is working in you and me, you and I have access when we're planning, when we're thinking, to have the very insight that a prophet. Amen. God can give you the ability to understand and interpret with the insight of a prophet. Amen. But that anointing also caused Jesus to walk as a priest. That anointing also enables you to love and to serve with the humility of a priest. Say hallelujah. But that anointing also caused Jesus to operate as a king. That anointing of Jesus that is upon you and upon me in Christ gives us the ability to be bold and to be courageous in the face of challenges. Amen. Bold. And to operate with the boldness, the courage, and the authority of a king. The things you're going to see in your life, the things you're going to see where you work, that in the natural will make you scared. But because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is upon you, 
Amen. If you will cultivate your relationship with him, there will be a supernatural boldness that will rise up on the inside of you. Supernatural courage. Amen. A sense of authority that will allow you to speak and know that God himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is working with you and working through you. You do not have a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good news. Now, I'm going to bring this to a close. And I, again, we're going to be summarizing what we said. But I want us to, to bring this to an end by going to the beginning. Amen. Go to Genesis 2.15 very quickly. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. I'm rushing because we don't have too much time. But, but I want to say these things. And so please, thank God. Follow me as close as you can. Genesis 2.15, this is the creation story. We're going to the beginning as we bring this to an end because God has something to say about our assignment and we can learn a few things from this passage. Let's read it together. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. That was one of the first things God did when God created man was to put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So let's quickly look at that. One of the first things God did was to put man somewhere. It's, it's, it's obvious, but it's important. God did not just create Adam and say, just hang out. God was intentional. He created Adam for a purpose. And so when he created Adam and Eve, he put them somewhere. He did what? He, say he, put them somewhere. You were not just created. You were created for a purpose. And based upon the purpose for which he created you, he has put you somewhere. It's not just by accident you were born in the family or in the country or in the region you were born. He put you there. Get this. He put you in that biological family. Are you part of Harvest? You, did you just come or do you believe he orders your steps? Then guess what? He put you in this spiritual family. And he put them in the garden, in the marketplace. He put you in that place, that position, that job. He put you where he put you, in the marketplace. All right, all right, all right, all right, because I'd like for you to repeat it. It helps you to remember. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, God created you for a purpose. And his purpose is connected to the place he put you. All right? So where did he put me? He put me in my family, my physical, biological family for a purpose. He put me in my spiritual family for a purpose. And he put me in my garden or in the garden or in the marketplace for a purpose. First thing to note. Secondly, it means 
wherever he puts you becomes part of your responsibility. May I repeat that? He makes us responsible in part for the welfare, the success of every place he puts us. If he puts you in a family, part of your responsibility is to that family. You have a responsibility to the family, the biological family he puts you in. You can't just eat and sleep. That's all you do. Amen. No mother, father, child, God put you there. Part of your responsibility in life is to that family. Your biological family. He put you also in the spiritual family because as, as much as we love our biological families, how many of you know your biological family is temporary? I know some of you don't want to die yet because you want to get married before you go to heaven because you know in heaven there is no... So this, this, this biological family is temporal. It's for this world. The spiritual family is eternal. All right? So don't diminish the importance of your spiritual family because we do have a tendency to subordinate relegate and sometimes completely neglect our spiritual family because we're focused on our biological family. You have a responsibility to your biological family. You are a minister there. You have a responsibility to your spiritual family. You have a responsibility. You are a minister there. And in the marketplace, the people in the marketplace where God placed you, you have a responsibility there too. Are you listening to me? So God puts you somewhere, and where he puts you has something to do with his particular purpose for you. Secondly, where he puts you somewhere, whether it's your biological family, your spiritual family, or the marketplace, he has given you a responsibility. You have responsibility for that place. And then thirdly, because he makes us responsible, when he puts us somewhere, he gives us a job to do. An assignment there. He said to Adam, do what? Tend to the garden and keep it. That's an assignment. That's work. Say W-O-R-K. That is work. Guess what? Ministry is work. So wherever he puts you, you have a responsibility there. And wherever you have a responsibility, you have a job, an assignment to do. What is your job? You who have been placed in the biological family as a minister, what's your assignment? To tend to it and to keep it. In the spiritual family God puts you, what are you supposed to do? Tend to this family and Keep it. In the marketplace where he places you, you are to tend to it and keep. Well, the word tend and keep, maybe it's not very clear to you, so let me use some of the other translations to help you. In the Message Bible says, God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. So one of the things you have to do in your biological family, in your church family, in the marketplace where you work it to is to keep things, don't be a confusionist. Don't go there to scatter things. Go there to help keep 
things in order. In your family, man, work towards order. In your church, work towards order. Where you work in the marketplace, your job, your business, be a force to bring peace and order there. That's ministry. That's part of your assignment as a marketplace minister. Are you hear me? All right, let me you tell you, the Amplified Bible says, oh no, there's, there's another one first. The other one, uh, the CEV version says, the Lord put the man in the Garden of Eden to take care of it and to look after it. I like that. Amen? Where has he put you? That biological family, wife, husband, children, to take care of and to look after the members of that family. Ministry. In the Spiritual family of the local church, what are you supposed to be doing here? Helping to take care of this family, looking after it. Where you work in the marketplace, the people you work with, the customers you serve, the business you're part of, what are you supposed to be doing there? Helping to take care of it, to look after it, not take from it, not undermine it. Not sabotage it. Not get paid for work you're not doing. God assigned you there as a minister. And what are you supposed to be doing? Helping to look after the business. Look after the people. Take care of the business. Take care of the people. At home. At church. At work, it's the same attitude. Amen. Amen? It's not, okay, I'm going to have that attitude towards my biological family. Hey, but forget about it. I'm not having that attitude towards the church. I'm certainly not having that attitude towards these people. Are you hear me? Whether you like them or not, whether you're feeling good right now about them or not, Remember, that's your, your assignment. I, I shared this on, on Friday. Uh, maybe I should share it now. Uh, in Israel right now, unfortunately, that war is happening. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that God will hasten to bring an end to this for the sake of the Jewish people and for the sake of the Palestinian people. Because Christ died for everybody. But you know, right now, before that war started, there were a lot of opposition against the prime minister. Benjamin, uh -huh, thank you for helping me pronounce his name. There are a lot of people who are angry with him, didn't want to deal with him. They want him out, protests all over the place. Today, even right now, those same folks don't like him. They don't feel good towards him. But right now, all of Israel is united. They're not allowing their feelings for Prime Minister Benjamin Nette to affect their commitment to the mission, the cause, the assignment. The assignment, the mission comes first. Now, you need to apply that to your home. Right now, you might not think too highly about your husband or your wife. You might not be feeling too good about your children, but that's not any reason to destroy your family. 
Are you hearing me? You still got to look after that family. You still got to take care of that family. Are you listening to me? And right now, you, you know, some of you may not be feeling too good about me. Amen. You might be protesting. <laughs> you might want a new pastor. You think that he's kind of old now. We need somebody younger with new blood. Hey, you, you, you're entitled to your opinion, right? Amen. But don't let your feelings towards me, your negative feelings that I may have caused you to have, to therefore result in you neglecting the ministry, the assignment God gave you. You ought to be looking after and caring for this house, this spiritual family. In spite of how you feel about me or about each other, this is an assignment from the Lord. Look after it. Care for it. You take that same attitude to your work tomorrow. Maybe your supervisor just got on your last nerves on Friday. And you, you, you don't even want to see him or her. Remember, God did what? He put you there. And your assignment is not to undermine it, destroy it, destroy your boss, none of that. Your assignment as a minister of Christ at work tomorrow is to look after the business, look after the people, and care for them. And you're going to need God's help. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is the flesh doesn't want to do that. The flesh does not want to do that. The flesh wants to get even. Right? Yeah, the flesh wants you to assert your rights. Doesn't matter what is affected, impacted. Don't do that. You're a child of God. You're a minister. You're anointed in the workplace. God has given you supernatural power. And your presence there is supposed to have a positive impact. Amen. Go ahead. And no matter how your flesh feels, greater is he that is in you. You are of God. You have overcome them. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. And in that place, be an instrument of the Spirit of God to look after and care for the people, the customers, your co-workers, the business, the church, your biological family. You're anointed for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the amplified version says that you should, the Lord God took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it. I like that word. I think cultivate helps us to, to, to see this just a little bit differently. Because when you cultivate something, it means you first have recognized the potential in that thing. You cultivate the ground because you recognize the potential of that ground to cause seed to grow, right? So you work on the ground. You work on the ground because you know if you work on the ground and you cultivate the ground, when you put the soil, the seed in the soil, that thing can grow. You see the potential, but you realize to bring out the potential, it's going to take some attention. To bring out the potential, it's going to take a little bit of work and effort. But you, 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 you make the effort, you give it the attention, you, you do what's necessary, you supply the resources, there's effort in that. 
But in doing so, you are developing the potential so that the soil and the seed can maximize its potential. This is exactly what your ministry, my ministry is. Whether it's in the church, at home, or in the marketplace, God put you there to cultivate, to see the potential that is in your children, to see the potential that is in your spouse, to see the potential that is in this church, the potential that is in the members of this church, to see the potential in the people you work with and in the business you're a part of, and to say, now, nah, there's so much potential here, and God put me here to cultivate that, to give it the attention it needs, to provide the resources that I have, time and talent and treasure that I can pump into this to help nurture the ground here so that this family, this church, this business can reach its fullest potential. Amen. He puts you somewhere, and where he puts you, he puts you there with a responsibility. And that responsibility is to look after that thing, take care of that thing, cultivate it, and let your presence there be the means that God works through to cause what is there to reach its fullest potential. That's the call. And now I'm going to shift you to another verse, and this is where I'm going to end. I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 through verse 9, we're going to quickly look at the instructions and I want to show you in this passage what I believe is the most important truth or the most important principle that every single one of us should embrace. Whether you're a marketplace minister, uh, ministering in the church, wherever you have been put by God, here is the principle. If you get this, this principle will inform every decision you make and everything you do. Amen. It will cause you to operate as God would have you to operate in the place God has put you. Let's read it. We're going to read from verse 6 to verse 9 together. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, trembling in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. Say, say Christ. Go on. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, Christ, okay? Doing the will of God from the heart. We said Christ, we said Christ, we said God. Go on. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord. We said Lord, that's four. And not to men, not to men. Go on. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, that's five. Whether he is slave or free, go on. Mm -hmm. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master, that's six, and there is no partiality with him, seven. Now, in that short passage, there are seven references directly to the Lord. A reference to him as Christ. A reference to him as Lord. A reference to him as 
master, a reference to him as God. Now, the context of this passage is he's talking to bond servants and masters. He's talking about how they ought to relate to themselves in the marketplace. He's talking about how employers should relate to employees, how employees should relate to employers. And in that context, seven times, he keeps repeating over and over Christ. Lord, Master, Christ, Lord, God. Now here's the, here is it. Here is the, the most important principle that should guide you and me in the home, in the church, in the marketplace. Your boss, the one you're working for, the one you are accountable to, the one you are seeking to please. The one who is ultimately going to be the one who pay you. is not Bill Gates if you're working for Microsoft. It's not well, the Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos, if you're working for Amazon. I don't know who your quote-unquote boss is when you show up to work. But hear me, here's the principle. That boss is not really the one you're working for. He's not your employer. You're not going to work to please him. No, 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 no. If you're here at Harvest, you might think when you are working here at Harvest that somehow you're doing it for the church. Or maybe you think you're doing it for bishops. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, I need to know that what I'm doing here right now this is the Lord's work. I am working for the Lord. It is not meant that I should seek to please. I should be seeking to please the Lord. Are you hearing me? It is not from men that I should be seeking my pay. I am seeking that the Lord himself will be pleased and the Lord will reward me. It is the Lord Christ. It is the Lord the Master. It is the Lord God that I am ultimately accountable for and that I am working for. Now, if you're working for the Lord tomorrow in IT, but you know that the work you're doing in IT is for the glory of the Lord, is unto Christ. Or if you're working in medicine or you're working in whatever the field is, how will you do your work? If you're mindful that it is the Lord ultimately who is your employer. And it is the Lord, ultimately, from whom you will receive your pay. Will you be concerned about pleasing man? Or will you be concerned about pleasing him? So, hear me, whether at home, in church, or in the marketplace. This is the principle that should guide you.
What I'm here to do is to do his will for his glory in a way that will please him because it is from him that I will receive my ultimate reward. Don't make what you do about the men that you work with or you work for. Don't make what you do about yourself. Make what you do about pleasing the Lord. And if you make pleasing the Lord the thing that is your motive, glorify him the thing that is your motive, there are just certain things you won't do. He said you're not going to be an eye servant. Do you know what an eye servant is? You, you act like you're working only when someone is looking. But here's the problem. If you're working for the Lord, you know someone's always looking. If it's unto the Lord, you want to do your best. For first of all, he's worthy. Secondly, it is he who you want to please. A young man named Jimmy worked at a grocery store. And one day this guy was... Uh, shopping and there were fruits and things that Jimmy was putting into his bags and he said to Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, come on, just give me a few extras. And Jimmy said, well, I can't do that because the boss, the boss will not be pleased. And the man said, well, Jimmy, the boss isn't here. Jimmy said, no, he's here. You see, I'm a Christian. And he's always here because he lives in me. When you go home today, he put you there. Care for, love, cultivate all the potential that is there. Give the proper attention. Invest the time and the resources that God has put in your hands to cultivate your family. In this spiritual family, this church where God has put you, you have a responsibility. To care for it, to look after it, and to cultivate the potential that is here. He put you here. And when you go to work tomorrow, take that very same attitude to your work, to your business, to whatever you do. Because you serve the Lord Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Father, I pray that this word that you have sent us, not just today, but for the last month, will take root in the minds and hearts of every person here, and that this word will produce the kind of transformation that will bring you glory. I pray that going forward, all of us will have a new and biblical attitude towards what we do. Lord, you put us in our family to cultivate that family, love and care for it. Help us to be faithful. You put us in our spiritual family, this church that we're part of, Lord, to care for it, to look after it. We have a responsibility here. And Lord, you put us in the marketplace, in that garden, to cultivate it, to care for it, 
to develop it. By God, do it, I pray. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to give an altar call of sort. I'm not going to ask you to come up front, but I do want you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision. I want you to to act on that decision and to do something to just help reinforce this in your heart and your mind. You may have done this before, but even if you have done this before, I want you to do it again. I want everyone who says, I embrace and I accept my call to ministry. To minister in the home. To ministry in the church. And to ministry in the marketplace. God put me there and I accept that call. And I understand that my responsibility is to care for, look after, and cultivate the potential, the people that are in my family, that are in my church, that are in the place I work. I recognize that. And I also recognize and acknowledge my dependence upon the Holy Spirit to fulfill this purpose that God has given me. If you are saying, yes, I embrace that call and I recognize my responsibility and I acknowledge my need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to fulfill this, would you please stand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You who are standing, would you please raise your hand. And I want you just for a moment to believe that you're standing before Christ because you are. I want you to believe that he has spoken through me to you because he has. I want you to say what's on your heart to him concerning what you've heard today about the call upon your life. From your heart, in your own words, talk to him. Tell him what you believe. Tell him what you want him to do with you. Tell him what you're prepared to let him do. Talk to him. Father, once again we stand in your presence say yes to your call yes to the call upon our lives to ministry yes and Lord we acknowledge that you have put us where you put us because you want us to have responsibility for that place and for the people we find there. Thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us to enable us to cultivate 
to care for the love the members of our family ask you would but thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to cause us to care for love and cultivate the members of our spiritual family that you've given us and Lord in the same way in the marketplace the people, the customers, our employers our employees, our fellow workers Lord you put us there and we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that empowers us there as well to develop and cultivate the potential that is there for your glory. I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. And everybody said, And everybody said, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord.